Hi, I'm Sybil Virch from The Wealthy Life. I started in the financial services industry in 1994, and over the years I soon realized that the average Canadian didn't know many of the tips and tricks that would put more money in their pocket and create wealth. And it's not just about money. Being wealthy in your life is about being healthy, happy, financially secure, being surrounded by friends and family. So on The Wealthy Life, we hope to cover it all. Business owners, you've had a great run, but you want to retire. Who takes over? Today we talk top tips for succession planning. And when it comes to charitable giving, we learn how to get the biggest bang for your buck. Then, should you own or rent your own home into retirement? Find out the better option. All this and more right now on The Wealthy Life. Which is better in retirement, owning or renting your own home? Owning, probably. Owning? Yeah, owning? Owning. Final answer. Uh, for me, um, I'm fine as a renter, but as I age, I would prefer to own a small piece of property. Owning a home, for me, yeah. At least you have your own place to live. Personally, I think what we'll do is sell our house, rent, and we will be travelling in an RV. So I think that would be our better quality of life. Uh, I guess it would depend on the individual circumstances. I own a home. I'm really happy. It was the best thing I ever did. If you own your own business, how do you retire? Today's guest is Rob Reed, a small business owner looking to transition gracefully into retirement. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, great to see you. Great to be here. So tell me your story. You have an interesting one. Well, you know, I, I didn't mean to end up where I ended up, uh, and I'm lucky I did, but I, you know, a couple things made me get to this business, and one and was... And tell me what the business is, because, yeah. well, I know, oh. but our viewers don't. Oh, Front Runners Footwear which we have a few stores out in the Victoria area. But I lost a parent at a very young age, and um, he had a health problem. So for me, um, promoting fitness and health is sort of important. Yes. Uh, so that came to play in it. And then I, I got introduced to running and marathoning. So I got addicted in a positive way to that sport, and it was exciting being able to combine my love of fitness and you know, get that out to people, yes. and then at the same time get into retail. And so I've had a lot of mentors along the way, from John Frizzani, who you know used to own yes. Sports Shack, to to uh, my phys ed prof that talked me into going to a run in Boston, and I got addicted to marathoning. So wow, it's been what fun. A, you're blessed to yeah, be really able lucky. to combine the two. Especially your passion for running, yeah, and your love of business. Right now, sometimes when people do that and they follow their dream and they mm -hmm. turn their hobby or their passion into business, sometimes it takes the fun away. Have you experienced that? Well, no, it's still a lot of fun because everybody's got a story and everybody's running for a certain reason, you know, yes. and it's, it's really exciting to get re-motivated by listening to those stories. And what do you love best about being a business owner? Well, it's, it's fun having just started with the clothes in the back of my car and being able to build something. And I think that's something all entrepreneurs have in common. Like literally, you had clothes in the back of your car, you just park that somewhere, open the trunk and... <laughs> that's about it. I didn't have a lot of equity to put into a business, but I had a partner in Vancouver mm -hmm. that I eventually I bought him out 
and I was able to carry on on my own. So it's it's been a really great 30-year journey. Wow, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So what's next for you? What does the next 30 years look like? Well, I got to figure out how to balance, you know, spare time and still have them not totally change the locks on the doors. Right. So to be able to sort of participate in the business a little bit because there's always new things to do and things are always changing. So you know, it's not that you're done and you want to walk away, quite the opposite. Right. You still love it, but maybe you just want to free up a bit of time? Exactly. So I have to look at things that'll help me set up a, a good succession plan. Now as a business owner, do you find you put in the most hours? Not anymore. Oh, good. But, You've got yeah, the secret figured getting out. Getting there, yeah, yeah. But in the early years, what was that like? Right. Well, it's 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 you want to be into something that you're you really don't even think about time. You want to do it eight days a week, twenty six hours a day, <laughs> and because you're passionate about it, and that's what you know makes any entrepreneur successful down the road. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, Rob, what's your big question for me today? Well, where I'm at after thirty years of having built this business, you know, being able to step away a little bit, you know, how can I take the right steps to have a happy succession plan and make sure my customers and the business still thrive? Oh, well, that's a fabulous question. So don't go away. Find out the top tips for business succession planning when we return. The Wealthy Life is brought to you by investment dealer Raymond James. Life well planned. See what a Raymond James advisor can do for you. Welcome back. We're here with Rob Reed to find out what steps are needed to successfully transition out of a business. Rob, welcome back. And I know we're going to talk about succession planning out of the right. business, although you aren't really leaving the business. Right, don't say out. No, yeah. you're not ready to go yet. <laughs> That's right. I want to know, I mean, you've been in this business for 30 years. Right. When you first started, did you have an end in mind back then? No, I don't think you want to think that far ahead back then because you're working so hard, you know, and you're passionate just to build it and make sure, you know, year one gets by and then you can, you know, cruise from there and just do a good job and learn best of practices from other businesses as well. So at what stage should business owners start thinking about the end? Well, for me, it was, you know, having a couple grandchildren arrive with my son and then my wife retiring. So, I mean, things fall into place and it just makes a logical time for you to retire and it, it doesn't have to be based on age obviously these days well and there really aren't eight days in a week or 26 right. hours in a day that's right so you're trying to recapture some time to enjoy some of the other things yeah and that's important you know quality of life so you know reaching sort of the 60 mark you sort of think well maybe i should be you know thinking about doing something but mm -hmm. don't wait too long to get it started Okay, so what have you done so far? Well, I was fortunate, you know, in, in business you have to have a toolbox and you have, have all the right tools in there. And one of those is an accountant. Yes. And I mean, I had a great accountant, you know, with English Seabrook and Pringle, if I can say that. And, <laughs> and um, you know, Jim was able to guide me through some options. And yes. fortunately for me, I was able to start some younger people in businesses of their own, you know, with stores. And it just that one of them stepped up and he was interested, so we started a five-year plan where he would earn more ownership as we went along. Oh, that is yeah. the most brilliant way in my mm -hmm. mind to successfully transition a business. Mm -hmm. You need a long leeway mm -hmm. and you need to have the right person with the same passion. Yeah. What are your expectations on customer service in the future? Well, I mean, you know, you don't want to drop the ball on anything that you've been doing well. So, I mean, you know, we don't phase out of 
treating our customers, you know, like king and queen, it's, it's really important because we're all about sit and fit. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to keeping everybody mobile. And that becomes pace. important when finding the right successor. You want someone yeah. who shares that same interest, passion, and drive, and customer focus. Someone mm -hmm. who isn't just in it, right. you know, to make money in a business. Yeah, because retail's not about, you know, knowing the most about running shoes, let's say, mm -hmm. it's, or being the best athlete. It's about, you know, just caring and wanting to do the best job for the customer. And that's the number one priority. Now, have you given any thought yet to succession planning in the event of death or disability. I hate talking about it, but it's important. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd have to advise as Nick and I, Nick Walker and I have, is have an agreement. And part of that agreement is something that involves your lawyer. So another tool in your toolbox is a good lawyer. So you need to have these agreements set up so that if either of you aren't around, what happens next? Because the, you want to keep the business up and running. Yeah, and a lot of people don't plan for that. No. And then the family are all fighting over who's going to run the business, the employees mm -hmm. may fight, mm -hmm. the customers lose out. Right. So simple planning is so crucial at the beginning. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the, the main things that I recommend for a successful transition of your business, sounds like you've already done some of them, number one is timing. You want to make sure you allow at least three to five years in mm -hmm. advance to start planning. Find the right successor. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure the customers are going to be serviced in the appropriate way. The other thing, step two, is you need to figure out a price. And mm -hmm. that's where a business valuator, another tool in your toolbox, right. or your accountant can mm -hmm. help you figure out what is the right price to sell your business, whether it's all at once or over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And number three is you want to make sure that you've got all of the right professionals around you early on. Mm -hmm. The accountant, the lawyer, the financial advisor, because when you get the proceeds from that money, you want to make sure now it's reinvested in something that's going to generate retirement income for you. Right. And to learn more about all the steps, we have put together a business succession planning guide for our viewers. So if you're in business wanting to successfully transition out, contact us at thewealthylife.com. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you. Well, thanks for helping and thanks for helping me learn the process a bit. Stay tuned. Up next, we'll learn how to get the best bang for buck when it comes to charitable giving. The Wealthy Life is brought to you by investment dealer Raymond James. Life well planned. See what a Raymond James advisor can do for you. Want to know the secret to happiness? Give your money away. Not all of it though. With us today is Janine Davies, Executive Director of a National Charitable Foundation. Janine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tell me your story. How did you get interested in the charitable sector? Well, I volunteered as a, as a child with family and did the usual thing, but I think in my career, I was in my late 20s, I was invited to join a board and it was a board related to HIV and AIDS and they invited me and I always felt like I had to pay it forward. I had so many people that I was connected to that had passed or work, oh. had contracted the disease. And they didn't have a banker on the board. And I should say I'm a recovering banker. And at this time, <laughs> they invited me to join. And I ended up uh, being really comfortable in the corporate environment. And I was asked to uh, head up the corporate fundraising strategy. And that's when I learned the alignment between charitable giving and business. 
Wow, having a personal story like that when so many people around you are affected mm -hmm. makes it easier to ask for money, doesn't it? Yeah, I always used to say we, we raised, uh, we funded from kids to convicts, so I could always find a story or a connection for the corporation I was working with uh, to, to sponsor an event. And what keeps you motivated going forward? You've worked in the charitable sector a long time now. What fulfills you going forward? Well, I've always felt that I was a bit Robin Hood-esque and that I took from the rich to give to the poor. I like I, that. Yeah. Um, and, and now my job at work, at least on the day job, is to inspire other people to do that and be a real catalyst for change and create opportunities for them to connect with charity. So it doesn't have to be a, a big organization that you work with. 54% of all charities in Canada are uh, operated by volunteers. Wow. Yeah, so that's a lot of work and so that's a lot of sweat equity I call it out yes. there in the marketplace. And it's so, important. Yeah, so every one of those little donations, whether it's $300 or $1,000, those smaller donations really make a big difference on those smaller charities. Or it could even be a dollar or two when you're Absolutely. going through your checkout counter buying your groceries. Which is very common now. And that adds up to be a significant number. Yes. So how should people start giving? When should they start giving and how? Uh, well, the best way to start is actually to find something that's important to you. So is it your children's school? Are you a volunteer on the pack? Are you connected with uh, the environment and you do the shoreline cleanup every year? Or maybe it's cancer because you've lost a family member uh, to, to a cancer-related cause. Understanding what's important to you first is always the first step in going forward. And then what we ask people to do is actually reach out to those charities if they're not mm -hmm. already volunteering. Now remember I said 54% of charities are run by volunteers. Yes. So chances are you're already connected. It could be your brother, your cousin, or your uncle that you're already working or that's volunteering at those charities. And that's generally how it starts. I remember my mm -hmm. dad coming home and sharing a story with me. He was volunteering and fundraising for the yep. Y. And he told me the story of this boy who was at a fork in the road. He had a tough upbringing, mm -hmm. and he was going to go down that same negative path. But he got connected with the Y, free swim lessons, was surrounded by a bunch of kids who were all talking about going to university and what they wanted to be when they grew up. Yep. And he went down that path instead. And so that story struck a chord with me, I immediately cut him a check and said, I want to support that. I'll pay for some, someone's swim lessons. And then it just grew and blossomed from there. Yeah, and, and having that personal connection. And it's amazing how somebody else's story can inspire you. Uh, I get the opportunity to learn from people every day. And, and I think that finding that story is really important, but also understanding the impact that you can have. Because sometimes organizations need a volunteer. They don't yes. necessarily need the money and understanding the difference between the two. You can become a, a donor, but whether you give $5 or $500, it's understanding where that money is going. That's important. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it earlier about volunteering versus giving money. Yes. I think there's a third thing people give. They can give their time, they can give their money, and they can give their knowledge. Yes. And it sounds like you've done all of them, but your work on the board and other people can get involved in the board to give their knowledge to help that organization grow. Yes, and I think oftentimes uh, people write checks or they volunteer, but when you give at a board level, you see so many different things going on. Professionally, you can expand your career, and I wouldn't be in the job I am today if I hadn't stepped up and done that board role. 
Now, what tends to trigger some of the bigger donations, and what do people do with that? I wanted mm -hmm. you to expand a little bit on something called the Charitable Giving Fund, which I have. Yes, so, <laughs> so big donations usually come from a life event. So whether it's the sale of a business, uh, you've had a, a stock or a bond that's appreciated so far that you don't know what to do with the profit. It's a pro great problem to have. Yes. Um, lifetime events, you're getting married or there's been unfortunately a death in the family. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we can um, take advantage of those situations and create strategic giving. So you can give in a timely fashion to a charitable giving fund which is really just a way station or a bucket that you put your money in and you choose when you want to give the money out. Now there's lots of different organizations on the marketplace that do them from $5,000 all the way up to the $250,000 minimum. There's a, there's a whole gamut for, uh, for people to choose from. So I think yes. that doing a little bit of research on which options are available to them can make it uh, more beneficial. And essentially it's like a mini foundation. Yes. And I know the reason I started it for myself is I wanted to be intentional with my giving. Mm -hmm. So I take 10% of my net income every year and I put it in there. I get the tax benefits, which is nice, but more important than that, I get to make a difference and impact and I get to direct that money when I'm ready to those causes that I believe in and support. Yeah, so being instead of being reactive to all those act, uh, opportunities that come across your desk, now you can be very intentional and I think that you get more value yourself because now you can show up in a meaningful way mm -hmm. and give sometimes a larger gift. How do people decide who to give to? There's so many charities out there. How many? Uh, over 175,000 in Canada. Um, of those, only about 80,000 are qualified donees. So those are the ones that you give money to and you get a tax receipt. But there's a lot of great uh, nonprofits that can, you can work with and donate money to. You just wouldn't get a tax receipt for those. But when you're considering what you want to give or when you want to give it, I think it's really important that uh, you understand who the charity is and where the money's going. Yes. Oftentimes, uh, a lot of our donors now are entrepreneurs or small business owners, and they're giving a portion of the profit like yourself and they really don't know how to delineate, do I give to Canadian Cancer Society or do I give to uh, Street Legal Society? And those are very different. CRA has some resources available, uh, available but also charityintelligence.com, um, uh, philanthropicfoundationsofcanada.com. So people should do a little okay. bit of research. And for those of you who want some help deciding who to give to, contact us at thewealthylife.com for a copy of our personal giving workbook. Janine, thank you very much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really great talking to you about how to give money away. It's an important topic. That's right. And when we return, discover if it's better to rent or own your own home into retirement. Wealthy Life is brought to you by investment dealer Raymond James. Life well planned. See what a Raymond James advisor can do for you. Welcome back. Thanks for your letters, emails, tweets, and messages. Today's question is from Amar in Vancouver. Dear Sybil, I just celebrated my 81st birthday and I'm thinking of selling my million dollar condo with spectacular views. Do I have to pay tax on the sale of my condo if I don't have a mortgage? I would like to use the proceeds to purchase or rent a small studio apartment in Toronto to be closer to my son and his family. 
I am wary about renting as I would prefer to make the place my own, but I'm not sure this is the best financial decision. Would it be wiser to rent or buy in Toronto? Many thanks, Amar. Well, Amar, it's a great question, and at 81 years of age, you do have some choices. It boils down to two main deciding factors. Number one, the emotional impact, and number two, the financial impact. But before I jump into that, I want to answer your question about taxes. The good thing about selling a primary residence in Canada, it is exempt from capital gains tax. So that million dollar view, if your property is really worth a million dollars, you will have that money to invest if you decide to sell, no taxes. So let's talk a little bit about the emotional side of things. Are you ready to give up that nesting feeling that many people have when they own their own home? What happens if you want to paint the walls a different color or do some renovations? If you're renting, you're less likely to do that. If that's not important to you and you say to heck with it, you don't want the work, then maybe renting is the better option. Some of the pluses about renting, you never have to pay for repairs. Oh geez, your toilet's clogged. Call the landlord. You're off the hook in a lot of ways, not just for the maintenance effort, but also the maintenance cost. Now, when it comes to the financial situation, if you sell your property, it's a great way to tap into all of that equity that you've built over your lifetime. If you keep your home when you pass away, you've got a nice piece of property worth a lot of money that you can pass on to the next generation or to charity, but it won't do much for you during your remaining years here to enjoy life to its fullest. If you have a million dollars to invest, if you could earn an average of 5% per year, it would generate $50,000 a year for life. But of course, if you factor in inflation and you wanna give yourself a raise, you could still take away about $4,000 a month, giving yourself a raise every year and still have money left over at the end. So keep in mind the pros and cons from an emotional and a financial standpoint, and you decide which ultimately is the best for you. And that wraps up this edition of The Wealthy Life, helping Canadians make smart financial decisions. Go to thewealthylife.com to become a member and receive free exclusive access to Wealthy Life workbooks, calculators, articles, and more to help you make the most out of what you have.